0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Boy, I just love to watch the high drama that's going on right now in Washington, D.C. These clowns deserve to get I don't know, an Academy Award? What do clowns get? Is there a circus award? Because I would give that circus award to a number of the politicians who are currently taking up way too much of our minds. They don't take a lot of space up in my head. I refuse to allow them to live there rent-free. But I can see that they are driving the majority of people out of their minds. When you got headlines calling You know, the fight between Mike Pence and Donald Trump, a mega divorce ugly. And really? I mean, is this news? Somebody tell me that this is news, that Mike Pence and Donald Trump are on the outs. They've been on the outs since January. January 6th, actually, to be exact. And yet now it's a headline? Oh, and the other big headline... DeSantis finally admits that Donald Trump lost the election because Joe Biden is in the White House. Nobody that I know, including me, and I think including Donald Trump, doesn't acknowledge that Joe Biden took the oath of office and is therefore the president of the United States. And he's been there for two and a half years, right? That's not what people are questioning, and it's not whatever was questioned. What was questioned was were there shenanigans with the electoral process, whether that was ballot harvesting or last-minute changes to election rules? That's the question, not whether or not Joe Biden won and Donald Trump lost, although I have very particular feelings about that as well. So that Ron DeSantis finally admits that Joe Biden is the president and Donald Trump is not? That's a headline? You know, judge to gag Trump. That's a headline. Really, I, I, I must admit that I find the bigger headline that nobody is even talking about, or at least I haven't heard anybody talk about it, except maybe me and One or two other radio talk show people, is the fact that uh, Moody's, which is an investor service, just lowered its ratings for 10 banks, small and mid-sized lenders, and said it may downgrade major firms, including U.S. Bank Corp., Bank of New York, Mellon Corp., State Street Corp., and Truist Financial Corp. I don't know about the rest of you, but those are pretty big names to me. State Street? So, of course, all the bank shares are going down, down, down. And it gets me really concerned about the future. I'm already nervous about all of this AI and global currencies and just some of the crazy digital currency things that are out there that most of us don't understand. So when I hear that bank stocks are declining and Moody's is lowering its ratings on a bunch of banks and then threatening to lower its ratings on some pretty major players, M&T Bank Corp, Webster Financial Corp. You see, maybe because I used to PNC, maybe because I used to do this for a living, I used to broadcast about Financial services, about the stock market. Maybe I'm hypersensitive to it. But it wasn't that long ago that we saw the collapse of regional banks in California and in New York. Has everyone forgotten about that? Because I haven't. I've been watching, looking for signs of stress in the banking industry. Because rising interest rates mean that firms have to pay more for deposits and that bumps up the cost of funding from alternative sources. So those higher rates actually diminish or erode the value of banks' assets, making it much harder for commercial real estate borrowers to refinance their debts, which means you're gonna have lenders' balance sheets all verklempt, all weakened. Rising funding costs and declining income metrics will erode profitability, which is the first buffer against losses. That's what Moody's wrote today, explaining why they did what they did. Asset risk is rising, in particular, for small and mid-sized banks with large CRE exposures. So a lot of banks have stopped loaning money because that preserves capital. But when you do that, you may slow down the mix of loans, but what you're going to get are more assets in higher-yielding instruments. That's what Moody's is telling you, only they're telling it to you in financial speak, and I'm trying to break it down. Banks that depend on higher levels of uninsured deposits, like we saw with the uh, banks in California, Silicon Valley... What we saw was when you have a lot of uninsured deposits, you're very exposed to any kind of pressure out there, especially banks with high levels of fixed rate securities and loans. Look, I hate to talk about this stuff because I know for many people, it just, you get that glazed look and you don't understand what I'm talking about. Let me just sum it up for you. The commercial real estate crisis hasn't even begun yet when you're gonna see the stress, and it's gonna be mostly in the regional banking system, will be probably in October or November of this year. And that'll bring down a whole bunch of banks that have way too much exposure to commercial real estate. And I can't tell you what that's gonna look like, but I don't think it's gonna look good. And I think that's why the mainstream media is not talking about this, because they're all in cahoots with the Biden administration. Hey, everything is fine. Look over here at the shiny thing. Today they pulled out a new shiny thing and they were waving it around in front of all the big outlets, whether it was the television news outlets or the print outlets. That's right, they had something shiny and they love parading it around and they hope that most Americans will pay absolutely no attention to what's really going on. Well, how could you if you don't know what's really going on? I'm more afraid of non-information than I am of misinformation. So what does the Biden administration do? Why, they get out in front and they talk about the economy and how great it is, right? He's got a visit to three Western states today. This is President Biden. And he's going to, I think he actually started yesterday. But he's going to invigorate his re-election bid by highlighting all these economic gains and, and, and funding for these new infrastructure projects. He went to New Mexico and Utah, and of course, the key electoral battleground of Arizona, and he's trying to talk up his in- economy, his Bidenomics, as he calls it. Meanwhile, the former president, who's his most likely opponent in the upcoming election, got indicted last week for the third time in four months. This time for, I don't know, trying to overturn the 2020 election. So after his little mini vacation, this guy has more vacation time than anybody I know. He's decided that he has to come out and he's not going to talk about Donald Trump. Instead, he's going to try and convince the whole country that we have a strong economy and that it's because of his policies. Good luck with that. I can only speak for myself and the people that I know personally, but voters are very upset. That's the kindest thing I can say about inflation. The U.S. economy has actually outrun some of the recession because it does have record low unemployment and people are making money, but their money's not worth as much. There are Americans right now President Biden, who voted for you in 2020, but who think the economy is doing badly under your administration. And they may not vote for you in 2024. That's according to a Reuters, Ipsos poll that was released last week. About half of the people who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 said they have heard little or nothing of his major policy initiatives to reduce inflation or to boost spending on infrastructure. Now, this is an administration and a band of Democrats who pushed bills through Congress that put about a trillion and a half dollars towards new bridges and roads and climate and manufacturing projects, but nobody seems to know about it. Maybe because they're not actually happening. So now he's out there on this trip trying to counter a message that he says is being spread by the right-wing media. You know, all 10 of us. <laughs> you, you have to laugh. He goes out on the campaign trail, and you'll see everything's going to change. That's what Jennifer Holdsworth, who's a Democratic strategist, said on Yahoo News' website. She said, oh, I think you'll see that trend start to change. We're going to send White House officials and cabinet members all across the country to promote the accomplishments. Really? Are you sending out Vice President Kamala Harris? Because every time she opens up her mouth, we're still trying to figure out what the heck is she talking about and why is she laughing? You see, construction sites across the country should be heralded as these great advances. I saw lots of them. I did. I saw a lot of construction sites in Fort Lauderdale in the last couple of months. I don't know that they're Joe Biden's. I don't think he gets credit for them. If anybody gets credit, it's probably Ron DeSantis, the governor. But Joe Biden's out there and he's going to Arizona. Last night, I think he went to Arizona. I'm not sure if he's going today or he went yesterday. But he's got an event today where he's going to talk about all the money that the taxpayers have invested in conservation and protecting our natural resources and climate change legislation. Does that sound like it's gonna change the trend? Especially in the key battleground state? Let me remind you that Arizona has been dealing with triple digit temperatures for weeks. Even if you were able to convince them that it's because of global warming or some kind of climate nonsense, what are you doing to relieve their pain? Apparently not very much. So good luck on your tour, President Biden, because I think that New Mexico, Arizona, and some of those southwestern states, which everybody thinks are in play, I don't think they're in play. I think the Democrats know they have a big problem. And I think they can hold as many campaign fundraising events as they want during this trip, And they can raise tons of money. But you can't unstink poop. I think I just made up a new expression that applies very well to politics. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850WFTL app. Don't forget to visit our website, 850WFTL.com, so you can participate in all of our great contests. And you can listen to the No Restraint podcast and Diener's UAP, uh, Unidentified Alien Podcast, I don't know what's unidentified, but he's got one of the hottest podcasts in the country and you can hear it right on your app or at our website. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. So the judge is uh, not too happy with the special prosecutor, Judge Aileen Cannon, that's the Florida-based federal judge, who is asking the DOJ to justify its continued use of a D.C. grand jury to add charges in the case against former President Donald Trump. Now, this isn't unconstitutional, what they're doing, but it's definitely unusual Jack Smith has brought 40 federal felony counts in Florida for retention of US defense information related to 337 documents with classified markings, obstruction, and lying to the government. I wonder sometimes, and I ask this question often, and I'm just gonna throw it out there, not that you don't know the answer to this question and not that the answer to this question isn't pretty well understood by everyone, who's got any interest at all in politics. But do they really think that this is working? Because I don't. I see no evidence that these indictments or this constant barrage of negative, and it is negative, headlines and news stories about Donald Trump just seems to make him stronger. And that's something that I predicted would and could happen. I remember during the first election when the, whatever it was called, the tape where he had said something really gross about women. And when it came out, somebody said, it might have even been Donald Trump himself, I can't remember, but somebody said he could be caught doing something criminal in the middle of the road. And the people who support him wouldn't care. Now, I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but you get the drift. There's a reason. You see, it's not just him saying it. We really believe that the bad guys, and in this case, that would be people who are trying to interfere with an election through the courts and through the Department of Justice and through the one of the major parties in the election, you see, we don't put anything past them, and we don't like them. We don't trust them. So when they come after him, we personalize it, and we feel as though they're coming after us. And I don't care how you slice it. They are coming after us. They don't like us. They don't like this country. They don't like morals. They don't like faith. They don't like God, and so they see us as in the way, and we have become very focused on staying in their way. I was listening to, I guess it was a podcast, which is one of my newest addictions. I know everybody else watches and binge watches on television. I refuse to look at the screen. As a matter of fact, my husband and I had the, our first words over him telling me he wanted a bigger screen. We have this gigantic television in the living room. To me, it's gigantic. It's like going to the movies. If you sit on the couch and you look up at this, who knows, I don't know what it is, 65 inches. It's huge. I mean, you could see the pores in, in people's faces. And ever since we got that big TV, my TV watching has diminished dramatically of course it has a lot to do with the fact that there's nothing worth watching and i like to read and you can't do both so we had our first words over getting a bigger tv i said what are you kidding why don't you just buy a theater how much bigger can you possibly i don't want my house to revolve around a television screen i don't even like the fact that i spend as much time as i do looking at screens I've cut out a lot of screen time. I have a device now, or device, an app on my phone and on my laptop that tells me when I've reached a certain amount of screen time and then it shuts it down. Which, by the way, I had to learn how to override because I forgot that when I changed my time period, my screen time shut off at 2 o'clock and now I'm just getting on the air at 3. So it's been, you know, about to adjust. And I'm doing that. But I watch what's going on and I just see a strengthening of resolve on the part of people, not just who support Donald Trump, but who support this country. And at some level, we now identify him with support of this country. And we now identify Democrats. And Mark Levin just wrote a book called, you know, The Democrats Hate America. And it sounds entirely plausible, likely to me. The fact that people were cheering, and I I heard Megan Kelly, I was listening to her podcast, and she was overjoyed when the women's soccer team lost. Now, I'm not overjoyed because I like American teams to win. I don't particularly, not a big fan of soccer, although the new soccer stadium where Messi's playing is literally a stone's throw from where I live. So I'll probably go over there a few times. Plus he's such a phenom. I, I'm sure I'm gonna go check it out. But I wasn't happy that the team lost. I was just happy that this Megan Rapinoe creature with the multicolored hair and the you know, everybody's gender nonspecific and everybody should love one another except if they're conservatives and then you can't even talk to them. I was happy that she missed the kick. That's gonna be the last thing that she does as a professional athlete. Not too impressive, right? But Megyn Kelly was just really happy about it. And apparently on Twitter, a lot of people on X, a lot of people were happy about it. Not happy that the team lost, but happy that she lost. So I see what's happening. And I remember during the 2016 election, I remember sitting around with people. In those days, Ann Coulter still had all of her marvels. And we would sit around and go, do you see what's happening? Do you understand how the American people, a good deal of American people, at least half, maybe more, are sick and tired of being told that this country is terrible, that they're racists, and that they have some kind of privilege. You know, I just came back from a trip to Kentucky. And I'd like you to explain to people who live in Appalachia and people who have been working family farms for generations, struggling because tobacco became a a cash crop for many farmers. They didn't really like raising tobacco. And now, of course, with all of the anti-smoking propaganda that goes on, it's not propaganda. It is bad for you. But they basically destroyed the market for those tobacco farmers. So... You tell them that they have white privilege. I got to hang around with some actual real farmers. I got a t-shirt at a store in the town of Williamstown that said, if you have something to eat today, thank a farmer. If you're eating it in the land of the free, in the home of the brave, thank a veteran. That's how they think, and there are loads of them, and they vote. So I had this feeling back in 2016 that this undercurrent, the awakening of the sleeping giant, was taking place and that for some insane reason, because at the time I couldn't really articulate why it was Donald Trump that tapped into this, but for some reason he did. He tapped into the frustration and it propelled him to the presidency, legitimately. He didn't have to cheat. He got there because there were enough people in this country who said, let's try something else. We don't like what we've had. People were really tired coming out of the Obama administration of being told they were dumb, being told there was nothing special about this country, being told that they didn't build the things that they built. So Donald Trump was able to coalesce a movement of people, and I still see it. As a matter of fact, it seems stronger than it was then. And if that's true... He may very well win this election. He may have to win it from uh, behind bars, but he may very well win this election because the same emotion is being tapped into all over this country. In a way, living in Florida these days is no longer a pretty clear representative of how the American people are feeling because we've had it pretty good. You know, thanks to our governor, We didn't suffer as many other states did with lockdowns and wearing those masks and schools being closed. You know, we were fortunate. And so we don't have a very negative viewpoint of the country. And neither do the Americans who suffered enormously. What they have a negative viewpoint of is the people in power. And they really don't like seeing all that power being thrown at one person while an obviously guilty other person in the form of a Hunter Biden and maybe the entire Biden family and maybe the President Biden himself, they don't like to see that they get to skate, but this one ex-president gets charges leveled at him every single day, gets his residence at Mar-a-Lago raided. They don't like that. They don't have to like him to not like that. They don't like grand juries, because how long can you tell the entire public that they indict a ham sandwich, and then indict a former president, and us not think, well, there you go. Whereas Ronald Reagan used to say, "Well, there they go again, mommy. Anyway, I got to take a break. Stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about. It seems as though I'm just, I'm just so full of P and V. You figure out what that is. I'll be right back. So there was kind of a cool article in Axios about the Google Trends for two searches, either Donald Trump or indictment. And the, public atten- the public's attention to President Trump's legal drama goes down every subsequent indictment. And this is data that's pulled across television, social media, and Google searches, you know, the search engine, how many times people type those words in either President Trump or indictment. Despite criminal charges, which are really unique, unprecedented, against a former president, apparently the shock is starting to wear off. Americans have turned to Google in droves to find information about him and about the indictment with every new case. But the spikes are getting smaller, which means people are less interested every time. And that's why I don't understand what possesses them because it's backfiring. It's it's obvious to me, and I have plenty of rabid liberals that I know or are even related to me who are bored and tired of all of these indictments and all of the shenanigans that they see their elected leaders engaging in. When the first indictment happened back in April, people were very curious. I mean, they just couldn't believe it. It actually happened. They were watching all the news stations. They'd turn on even stations they never watched before knowing that they'd be just deliriously happy. But every time there's a new story and a subsequent indictment, fewer people turn on the TV and look at it. Fewer people do a search on Google because it's starting to feel just routine. All the howling accusations after each charge all of the threats and the you know the mind numbing repetition of it all that's what it does it numbs your mind so that you can't even make sense of any of it so you stop paying attention it's like useless to pay attention and there's a name for it it's called flooding the zone with crap and it's supposed to exhaust whatever interest you once had in even following the news. Indictments are only the beginning. So we'll see. I mean, trials will start, be underway, and verdicts will be close to being rendered, and people get interested again, and you could see a resurgence of interest. could be a big factor in 2024, because, of course, independents are paying attention and weighing their options. But I can tell you, there's no way that this is having the effect that they thought it would. Because people see this as politically motivated. And that is always a death knell for the candidate Joe Biden. And the people who support Donald Trump, like me, we may not tune out all the bad news you know, contrary to what some of my friends believe, I read it, I hear about it, I follow some authors who are negative about Trump, but there's something that sort of happens inside my brain, and I think it happens inside the brains of a lot of people, and I think to myself, so what? Okay, if they weren't attacking him, they'd be attacking DeSantis. If they weren't attacking DeSantis, they'd be attacking Tim Scott. They're not going to stop attacking anybody they perceive of as not being down with their insanity. Their absolute commitment to stuff that turns the stomach of most Americans. You don't have to be a conservative to think that lopping off preteen breasts is child abuse. You don't have to be a conservative to think that having drag queens reading stories to six-year-olds is inappropriate. Those are not conservative issues. So what they don't understand is people end up fleeing further right than they probably would have If you keep diminishing the value of faith, the value of family, because you know that's what communists do. They don't want you to have a religion. They don't want you to have a nuclear family. Remember, that's part of rules for radicals, part of the communist manifesto. It's part of all of the ideas that BLM was promoting. There's no such thing as value to a nuclear family. A family can look like anything you say it can look like. Heather can have two moms or two dads. Heather can have three moms and two dads. Any combination is supposed to be okay. Well, most Americans don't think that. And you don't have to be a Trump supporter to think that telling a little kid you get to pick your gender a good idea. I didn't let my little kids pick their dinner. I barely let them pick their own clothing because they had some strange taste. So am I really supposed to let them pick their gender when I know darn well what their gender is? I've known since the moment of birth. Now, I didn't know what gender they preferred having relations with but that's a whole other subject. And we have basically told people who identify as gay that if only you were born in this era, you wouldn't identify as gay. You would just identify as the opposite gender. How demeaning and demoralizing to the entire LGB population. Now, You're supposed to feel guilty about being a man who likes men or a girl who likes girls. Instead, you should have some sort of radical surgery. It's just, look, even people that we never saw getting along together are getting along now. American Muslims in Maryland, they don't know what to do. They don't understand All of this nonsense about children's books, which have stories about LGBTQ inclusion and representation and the school board's refusal to allow parents to opt their children out of reading them in school as part of language arts instruction, guess what? All of a sudden, the conservatives are lining up with these Muslim families, these American Muslims, who have traditionally been allies to the Democrats. It's strange bedfellows, to say the least, but that's what's happening. They pushed and pushed and pushed so far to the left that they have literally turned off their base, turned off their base. Now, I should be happy about that, but it just seems so unreal to me. Can they really be that stupid? Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson and then all the great hosts and the evening and overnight, and then Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, leading into Brian Kilmeade, leading into the one and only Dan Bongino, after which I get back. So I still have one segment left today. You stay right where you are. I don't know. You know, every time I think that uh, I understand what uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was thinking when he decided to enter this race, I see some other news story that just convinces me he was listening to the wrong people. I don't know who those people were, but when I find out, I'm seriously going to have some words for them. He just replaced his campaign manager again. He's now put his chief of staff, his governor chief of staff, James Uthmeyer, out there as campaign manager, while Janera Peck is now going to become the chief strategist on the campaign. Now, Peck was the one who helped him win re-election with a substantial number, blowout, really. But uh, she, of course, now the subject of all kinds of criticism from all the DeSantis advisors and donors because the money has dried up. His campaign is stalled. He's twice cut staff and expenses. He's retooled his press strategy to make him more available to the mainstream media. But the donors and a lot of the advisors aren't satisfied. So last week, he wanted to see if if Uthmeyer, his chief of staff, had a plan to fix it. And of course, he then hired him. It's not a reboot, he says. Of course that's a reboot. And you can't afford to keep rebooting. That's just insane. And apparently he's not doing very well in a lot of ways. I mean, it's really, he just needs to accept the fact that he's the governor of Florida and that he has a political future if he just stops making a fool of himself. That's all I can say. I mean, he was campaigning in New Hampshire. And, you know, it was obvious that the people there were not happy. You gotta have a personality that sells all over the country. You can't just have a personality that sells in Dade County. (laughs) Um, And he doesn't, I've known... Ron DeSantis since before he was a congressman. And he's not Mr. Personality. And he's losing. And I predicted that. And I know everybody was angry with me. But you just, you don't need to be an analyst to see that this was not the right time. And that he could have conceivable. Look, when people jump the gun As I think he did, and try to run for the presidency, their political futures are very questionable. People don't forget that too easily. And what do you do? Run for the Senate? What do you do at this point? He's already been a congressman, he's already been a governor of a major state, did extremely well as both. Run for the Senate? Who's he going to go up against? Rubio? Scott? So ostensibly, he now has to wait until 2028 to run for the presidency again. Does anybody believe that the rest of the country, or even us here in Florida, will remember him in 2028? Maybe it's better if we don't. (laughs) That's all I know. He's just not likable. He's a good governor, but just not a likable guy. And uh, we'll see what happens in these primary states. It'll be very telling. So um, I I hold out hope. That's not the end of the DeSantis campaign, but when Vivek Ramaswamy is uh, tied with Ron DeSantis, that's not a good look for Ron and the donors. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time. My plan is to be back here in front of this microphone at three o'clock tomorrow if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then of course, as I always say, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.